If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another edition of a bonus There Will Be Dungeons episode. This one for May of 2021. And we're glad to be here. Thank you all. Uh, This is Scott Johnson. I'm here with John Jagger, Kyle Ferguson, and of course, Kristen Ashton, ready to answer your burning questions and to thank you for your support at therewillbedungeons.com. Uh, let's go ahead and get started and throw it over to Kristen, who has a slew of questions for us this month. First one this evening, what is your favorite part of playing D&D? Is it the character creation and development? Is it the surprises? Is it coming up with funny slash amazing feats? Is it bashing the skulls of the undead? Oh, man. Um, uh, for, for me, it's character creation and development, like, Telling the stories of these characters, coming up with an idea, seeing how that evolves, um, both from a, you know, like initial concept perspective versus where it ends up kind of naturally just playing the game, I always think is really fascinating and is, uh, it's just my favorite part of D&D is anytime characters are just talking to one another and watching that take over and become a personality. Well, for me, it's that that stuff's important obviously i think that's a huge part of it and without that you don't have a game but for me it's the emergent stuff that you didn't expect or that nobody planned on or that came out of a weird combination of things or a hilarious misunderstanding of a rule and therefore dealing with those consequences of that like that stuff cracks me up or you know otherwise provides me with a lot of entertainment so so for me it's it's those moments of whoa didn't see that coming or oh crap bad call or, or whatever, those emergent moments that you can't really plan for. And, um, I find those fascinating from gameplay perspective and it's always fun, but it's also fun to watch the DM deal with it and, you know, have to sort of face down whatever, whatever problem was created. I think that that part is fascinating. So for me, that's uh, Kristen, what do you like the most? I really enjoyed the, the whole storytelling aspect of it. So we each create our own characters and then we come together with the DM, (laughs) scream our heads off in fury and try to tell a really cool story that everybody likes, which is fascinating because everybody enjoys very different aspects of a story. Mm. So in that case, it's really cool to see how the DM webs that all together so that we all feel fulfilled through this storytelling adventure it's like a good improv game but it just lasts a lot longer than 30 minutes yeah i agree yeah it's it's that mixing a story because there's no reason why i would take cool characters that you all want to be cool and for instance like today make grin keeper 
fight at basically a 45 degree angle because she's being blown by wind for the entire thing. And that mental image is just so joyous and all the hat and doing that check in. That's my favorite thing is you get to the end of a round and you do this check in like shrugs is on the back while <laughs> everyone's in these different positions, which you could never expect happen in just what would otherwise be, you know, kind of a boring story, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. a dungeon. It's just a, it's just a monster, but the hilarity happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's like that. That's where the fun comes in. Right. Cause otherwise we're just, it's another fantasy story, but um, it's all these things you don't think about or predict or whatever. I love that. I love how it just all falls into place and it adds to the characters. And I mean, hell half the development of each of the characters we have now are based on, problems or weird memeish things that happen like i don't i didn't come into this game thinking that crandall would be all into potato farming but you know it's working out that way well why well because of a series of events and happenings and things that are just organically building that character out and that's something you can't plan on so it's always new and it's always fun well it's like um ant-man or uh or guardians of the galaxy like you got your X-Men for like everything serious all the time, mm-hmm. uh, except for like, you know, maybe a joke here and there. But then you have like these really wacky movies. But in the right moment, that wacky hero becomes serious. And when I see you guys throw that switch in your heads when it's you know all fun and games, now it's not. That's like the most rewarding thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Next question. I was wondering with the new Delvers series, how did you all come up with starting levels, gear and gold? I must have missed the experience. Uh, explanation about each character so is that information that hasn't been made known yet and won't be till further in the campaign hmm it almost feels like two oh, questions because it, it's sort of like just did default right right, right. yeah yeah like, my, i think we just did D beyond character creation we all started at level one right and uh we just went with what their recommended default gear is and I think we did do a couple check-ins with uh, Kyle to say, like, hey, you know, can can I do this or, you know, I'm going to I'm going to have this. And but I, I think it's all pretty standard equipment that we started with. And yeah, we the did big make the, a conscious the, decision to start at one. The biggest difference, I think, between this time and the Heroes of the Waste campaign, because that was the, really the first thing we were doing. We were sort of going all in on the initial phase of that, which was these background stories. And all of us made little recorded versions of what our character stories were. And they were super produced. And then we put them up on the feed and we made this huge deal out of it. Um, but even in their cases, a lot of their starting equipment, gold and otherwise, was just standard stuff. Um, default stuff, I should say. Yeah, and but that something- led to the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. No, you're going to stay on this topic. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, and that led to the hilarity of the candles falling out of Slenderbelt's backpack with the grit. <laughs> because you, I don't think any of us knew that a starter pack for a cleric had that many candles, but Kyle knew yeah. because he did some research <laughs> and put that into the story. Yeah, it was great. Again, it was one of those moments. And it was part, part of that was me going, oh, whoa, what? wait a minute. Did I screw up and double up on candles? Because I've done it before where I had like, too many of the same weapon or, you know, if you're not paying attention while you're building out these sheets, it lets you get away with a lot of goofs if you're not, you know, super focused on what you're doing. And I was worried that I just had, you know, I had, I'd done there what I did with arrows for 
the clown <laughs> and just had nothing but arrows for days or whatever. And I, I personally like it when that, when we run into that crap, even if it's a player's goof or, or whatever, just sort of living with it and, and integrating it into the story is, uh, is, a, is great. That was a really memorable, stupid moment when I had all those candles fall out. Now, something they might be asking about here is kind of how the gold worked in the game. And I actually had you guys in your backstory, no matter how like short or simple it may have been, you had a reason to spend gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spunderbelt has his farm. Co has the situation with his wife going on. And Grinkeeper just needs adventuring gear to continue her hobby here. So in that way, they were money hungry. So that's why we kind of dove straight into making money and the money kept being spent. And also, uh, I provided double XP for the first couple levels until three, because three is where things get good. Right. So we sort of sped through one and two when the characters are a little more boring. Mm. You think that means, by the way, so like that's a, you know, fifth edition, first three levels aren't that exciting. Um. Do you think that's something they take into account when they're building out new editions? Like if there's a sixth edition, which one would assume eventually, um, do you think some of that stuff gets tweaked and they're like, well, we got to balance out the early game. And so we're going to do this and this and this. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting situation. The old system was prestige classes. So you would have a class and then you either multi-class or if you got certain bonuses, like you were a rogue who could also cast a spell, you could now access arcane rogue kind of thing. And when they, the books kept building and building and building, and it just got so messy. So what they did in 5th edition was said, okay, at 3, you pick a path. And that way, all the paths can be balanced based on the other paths rather than stacked on top of each other. Yeah. So I don't know if they would... It's a great system, but it does mean that the lower levels are a little more dry and a lot of people skip them. In fact, uh, that huge Ravenloft set, uh, Curse of Strahd, has one adventure and it speeds you all the way to three at the end. Like, it's just like, they're three, just call them three at the end of this. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I kind of like yeah. the, the weaker early levels. Cause to me, it, I mean, it depends what your goal is. If you're doing a one shot, you usually want to bump people up past it. So they have their fun abilities. But if you're getting into a campaign, it's really nice to give people a chance where they don't have a lot of tools. They're kind of just a, a skilled regular average Joe to kind of get a feel for what they like and what they might want to do. And you're not so committed early on that you're like, well, I'm stuck on this path. Can't change anything about it. Like you still have time to course correct within your own character or, you know, those first levels can actually be really dangerous in D and D. So you're also not so invested that if that character dies and you have to reroll another one, that that feels insurmountable or like you've lost something that can't be reattained. Next question. Hi team. Love your work. I am a father of two girls, six and eight. I desperately want to play D and D with them and my wife who would be up for it too. I'm at a loss as to where to start. Do I DM? I've never done so before and I don't want it to crash and burn for them. Any ideas for making an easy entry point? Sorry if this has been asked previously. P.S. Kyle is smashing it. Well, definitely uh, skip three levels. No, I'm just kidding. Kyle, what would you say to that question? (laughs) The answer is always, if you want to play D&D, you're the DM. Like you, you have the investment in the hobby. You got to do all the background work. You'd probably enjoy getting into it. Uh, there are some great starter sets like Lost Minds of Fendelver is a great little 
smaller adventure to just sort of dive in and you can follow the book through it. But there's also nothing wrong with doing the monstrous cave like we did our very first episode, just a location that people who don't really know each other have to go and do a thing. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Just go for it. And even if it seems daunting or you don't not sure what you're doing in this particular environment, like it's it's sort of risk free. You're just going to have fun with your kids and your family. And that sounds amazing. Some of my favorite stuff lately is just me and Carter messing with D and D systems and, you know, reading up on stuff and talking about what we've seen and read. And there's something about that experience. That's really cool. And you have a chance to do that with your kids. And I think that's rad. So you should jump in and go for it. And if you haven't heard of Kyle's DM gives inspiration podcast, check that out. It's oh yeah. 15 nice. minute little episodes goes over really basic stuff, breaks it down pretty easy and gets great ideas. Yep. Totally agree. Next question for the team. Given that the Delvers campaign is running faster slash shorter from a storyline perspective, how did this change your character backstory to future uh, state development plan, if at all? From what I've experienced listening to the show, and this is, this is you pegged us, Cheese Biscuit, John goes very in-depth. Kristen has a basic idea and wants to see how it plays out. And Scott has no plan whatsoever. <laughs> so I guess this is a question for John and Kristen. <laughs> I mean, I'll, uh, I, real quick, I, I, will, um, I will admit that might be the impression, and there may be some truth to it. Part of it is, uh, you know, trying to run a show at the same time, like get the thing, like, running and you know out there and have the chat going hey this streams down and you know trying to make all that happen seamlessly without too much editing or whatever i'll admit that takes my brain away from like my next turn sometimes i'm like oh shit i gotta i gotta have a plan here so he's not wrong in that perception but i don't think it runs as deep as he thinks it does but anyway <laughs> go ahead and answer it for uh i i listened to uh Kyle's podcast, DM Gives Inspiration. Don't know if you've heard about it, um, but I, I listened to it. And uh, when I when I was listening to it, I heard Kyle say what he likes from his players as far as like backstory. So when he was like, hey, I want to know your backstory for the character, I was like, I'm going to really impress Kyle. I'm going to give him exactly what he asked for on that show. And I sent him the character name, a description, and a bulleted like just a couple points um, on what I thought for Cove, which was really cutting down kind of, you know, what I had in my head, because what I had in my head was, like you said, very complicated and well thought out. But I was like, this is what's most important. This is what I'm going to give Kyle. And he wrote back and said, that was the most beautifully formatted thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, <laughs> yes, nailed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think about my characters a lot. This campaign has probably been an exercise in me stepping away from that um, somewhat. I, you know, Stanley was very, very complicated and very drawn out what all I came up with for him. Uh, as a result, I think I know Stanley better than Co. There's times where I have to think about like, okay, well, what would Co do? And it's, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause I don't think I understand that character as well as I, as I did the other way around, but um, it's also fun to be surprised. And if you're not writing every element of your backstory, there's more room for that. And all the stuff we're doing with, uh, nasty and the, the cloven brotherhood and all of that, like all that stuff wouldn't have come to be if I had really gone, Hey Kyle, here's every little detail about 
history and, and backstory and I dig it. So I'm glad I didn't do that to him. And also Co has changed from the first episode. So I'm also glad that I didn't, you know, plant my feet and go, this is what the character is. Cause it, it also allows it to be a little more dynamic and a little more fluid. Yeah. And for, for the record, we're talking about John here who, when he plays something like mass effect or whatever, although I hear you did pretty good on your first pick here, but you'll build a character, be pretty happy with it, get halfway through the first act of the game and then change your mind and go back and start over because you want to change your character a little bit. The hair's slightly off or whatever. And I don't mean any of this. He's not wrong. Those eyebrows look weird sometimes. (laughs) I don't want to. They were. I had to restart that character because that eyebrow was too thick. I have restarted Mass Effect, even though I was very happy with that character. Yeah. So even even now. So my point is, and I don't mean it as a pejorative. I think it shows great care in the characters you create. But that is your standard mode. Like, that's what you you want to do. My thing is if I get too if I get too planny. I run out, the fun runs out for me. And I think it's just a me thing. I have to be, I have to leave a lot of room for, for sort of looseness and, 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 you know, jumping on stuff as it happens uh, for me to have the kind of fun that I get out of the game. So I think it's just two different approaches uh, to, to similar stuff. Kristen, how about, how about you in this case? Yeah. I mean, she's, nailed it. I like to do basic backstory, basic goals for the campaign, but um, like you, not a lot of planning because what I've learned, you know, you can go into like your own fantasy world and go, oh man, if I land this attack, this will happen, da 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 da, but that's not how D&D goes. It's just so, you never know how the dice are going to roll and then you can't really live out your planned fantasy unless you write it down in a book or draw a picture of it. So, it's a lot better to have the ability to shift and change with everything because I think I see it as kind of D&D etiquette because we've all known people who don't bend when it comes to my character will do this. And you're like, nah, you don't get it. We have a group here. And unless we all agree that that's going to be your character, that's just rude. So by having that openness, you can give and take a little. And that way everybody gives and takes. And suddenly you're all really invested because you're tossing a ball around and everybody's catching it. You're not just keeping the ball or dropping it and throwing it poorly on purpose. (laughs) Right. Good way of putting it. Next question. What's the thought process of bringing in a pop culture reference? How much is too much as a DM or for the players? (laughs) Oh, I kind of wish Bo was here to answer that, too, because he does that a lot more than Kyle does, I think, or at least more than you've done in this run. Yeah, you're talking about like into the world, right? Because I know I do a thing where I use movie clips or actors to describe a person to sort of get the point across as fast as possible. I think they might mean jokes, too. Like today, the rock, paper, scissors, like how does that exist in the world or... That's an interesting thought. Actually, I I don't think I've said this for this, but but our technology level is 1880 for this world. Uh, But we're not pursuing electricity. Like, there's no reason for electricity and steam and a lot of things like that because we have magic. So a lot of the times when I'm like, oh, crud, when is a blunderbust invented? Oh, yeah, I'm safe. Uh, A boiler? Did that exist? Let me go look that up. (laughs) But I think it it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, ultimately, like everything can be really silly. Like you can have 
Starkiller listening to a Walkman, but the second he finds the artifact, things get real. And as long as you have that get real moment for your players, they'll be happy. Yeah, my uh, <clears throat> my takeaway on this is it actually helps with relation relatability sometimes. And I think maybe for the listeners even more so because, you know, Kyle may be doing a really good job of explaining something to us or he's given us specific bits of uh, of, of art or, or whatever that we can reference and go, oh, I see what he means. But people at home don't necessarily have that, especially just listeners. And so when Kyle says, you know, imagine, uh, you know, Michael Jackson, but with covered in fur or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, that's one you've never made, but uh-huh. you, the you, really music video, I understand. <laughs> but you immediately give people a better visual that aids them in understanding. It's like, Oh, okay. I, I can totally see that. Or the description of the space that they're in makes more sense to me now that you've compared it to something I've actually seen. Um, I think that's a strong, that's a tool that not only is well used with us, I think that's one that should be used. I don't think there's any reason you should avoid that. I mean, unless you're on a team where everybody's super hardcore about, you know, 100% role play, no references to anything, no table talk. We're in the, you know, we're in that cave with those swords and those things. And that's all we've got. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, that's a special kind of run, I think, or a special kind of campaign, not the same as, as your average one or, or one that I would want to be a part of. Cause the ones I want to be a part of, I don't, you know, they need to be a little looser than that for me, for me to have fun and fun is ultimately the goal. So your mileage may vary. Yeah. I think, I, I think wonder, you got a, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I wonder if this is a response to Rihanna Keeves, the elf. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say, actually, is I was going to say, like, I think you got to pick your your moments. Like, is it is it a character name? Like, if, if we run into Carrie Underworld and it's like, oh, that sounds vaguely similar to a real world person that we might we might have heard of before. Like, that's kind of a punny name. Like, that doesn't really pull you out. It just kind of if anything, it makes it more memorable, which is nice, because there are times where, you know, we have Carrie in the guild who I will always remember her name because as soon as he said it, I was like, ha, it's funny. Cause I, you know, Carrie Underwood, I get it. It's funny. Um, and her name has stuck with me. We have Cassius who has a very typical fantasy name, you know, I was like, it's Cassius, you know, but I'm not connecting it to anything. And the amount of times I've had to look back at my notes and go, what's the head of the guild's name? What All right. Mean? Cassius. Not even Othello. Well, I guess that's true. But I, I don't know. Like, to me, the pop culture, it, it does exactly what's in the name. It pops more for me. So Rianu Keeves and stuff like that. I mean, you've you got to pick your moment. You don't want your main villain probably to be like, I am Rianu Keeves. And you're like, OK, well, we're going to laugh every time we hear his name. Right. Uh, got you got to decide whether or not losing a little humor to it is, you know, how it's going to affect the moment. But I think Kyle said it best with... You know, when things get serious, can people get serious? And I think for the most part, I we have found a good balance of that where you can joke in the moment and then treat the situation as real. And I think that's the key. If you can find there, there's you one know, name. Oh, go ahead. There's one name that transcends all rules about this, and that was Monsoon Cabbage. That is such a great name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That one's pretty tight. I mean, my 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 overall on this is like, you know, if you got a guy in snake armor and you're like, what do you want to call yourself? And he says, well, how about Cobra Commander? 
that's only referential and funny because we know who Cobra Commander is in our timeline. <laughs> but in that world, it would work. There are Cobras and you're kind of a commander. So I like when it's double, you know, when it goes both ways. It's a thing that could exist in the world, but also makes a funny reference to ours. And I don't know. I just have more fun with it. Pop culture's fun. So I think playing in that is a good time. All right, next question. Okay, this is a question that was sparked from something Scott said in the bonus show. He said we would have another bonus show in one Earth month, and it got me thinking, with his familiarity with the time barf, would Planet Nash have its own time stream? <laughs> kind of like the Chronicles of Narnia. Time there passes at a different rate than here on Earth. Uh, that's a great question. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone can answer it but Bo, because I don't know if the time barf and or connections between those worlds have any differences in, in in terms of that like you know the movie interstellar speaking of pop culture references has that whole thing that's based on some science but the idea that you could slow time for some using gravity and other factors and it would speed up for others as a result and uh one would think maybe some of that's possible here but since those worlds never collide it doesn't really matter like time could be running at 50 times the normal speed in Nash world, but it doesn't matter because we're never going to, they're never going to be here and we're never going to be there. So in a, in this, in a sense, it's like, it's, it has a zero, it's a zero sum question kind of, because it won't matter if they're moving. It, it would matter if there were two worlds in that world that were running at a different rate and you had a story around that, but you know, us here playing the game and this fictitious world Mo came up with, I, I don't think there's any connection there. Another one for you, Scott. Any chance Splendor Belt would name his new farm Splendor Farm and start a whole line of Splendor products like Splendor Tots, Splendor Fries, and Splendor Chips? <laughs> um, I love that question. And the answer is, of course. Yes, I love it. I love the name, too. Actually, I think that might be it. Just Splendor Farms. That's it. Splendor Farms with an S. Give it kind of a regal kind of quality to it. And yeah, I'll make a bunch of stuff. Like any kind of potatoy thing, it's we're in, dude. We're I'm I'm all about it. That's a great idea. For Kyle, what made you decide to do Snake Island as perfectly timed comedic flashbacks as opposed to just playing it out? Aw, uh, <laughs> honestly, there was too much to do on Snake Island, and it probably would have been like six episodes long. So instead of doing that, I decided to take all the best parts of Snake Island and make them forgotten flashbacks. And that way, the legend can never really end. Snake Island is an infinite place in all of our hearts. Easily one of my favorite things you've done. Without question. I love it. It was a super smart decision for a lot of reasons, and it is constantly rewarding (laughs) and fun. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I enjoy doing it. And like even today, we'd gone enough time without a flashback, that one one came for John. It was great. It was like, oh yeah, right. We still have shit we have to learn from this place we don't remember much about. And to me, it's it's just a delightful add to the show. I love it. Need t-shirts that say, uh, <laughs> "I went to Snake Island, and all I remember is this bad t-shirt." Is <laughs> this t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. 
Next question. Hello, there will be Dungeons Crew. Been listening since the very beginning, and I am a huge fan of both campaigns. You all have great chemistry, and both Bo and Kyle are exceptional DMs. My question is about the current campaign. If you had a crystal ball and could peer into the distant future, is there a scenario where the team is forced to leave Atomer and go into the wild? Or will the entirety remain on guild grounds? Either way, would be fine with me, just curious. One more thing. Any chance we end up seeing some Splendor Belt potato chips? <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Yeah. Um, the answer is yes at the end. Kyle, the rest of that question is you. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is definitely, I've mentioned kingdom, the kingdom, and there are bigger cities that we could one day explore if we choose to go there. And in that world, there's a lot more hero guild machinations different heroes vying for popularity for money for who gets to be the star you know much like uh you know superman and batman they don't work in the same town but when they do there might be some competitiveness there and who's better than each other like that's a whole a whole different world that we might one day explore but atomer really grew on me and i i was planning actually for season two to be a different place but i was you know no i, I actually this town has a lot to it, and we're still very much invested there. Next question. I was wondering, since you guys have been playing D&D for a while now, if there is another genre or specific fandom, like Star Wars or Vampires, that you would like to play a tabletop RPG of. Whatever show or movie you like probably has an RPG dedicated to it. And if you did play a different RPG, who would you want to run the game? Really enjoying the new season, and we'll keep on watching. Oh man, that's a great question. I always I always wanted to do some sci-fi thing. Um, I don't know if it has to be tied to anything in particular, any kind of particular fandom, but just the idea of a I don't know, just a game in a in a more of a sci-fi setting. You know, something that felt a bit like Mass Effect or even Star Trek or Star Wars or whatever it sounds really fun to me at some point. Um, if we ever get around to it, but I love that. I love that that side of the stuff as much as I love the fantasy side of it. Yeah, I, I also I'm I'm a huge sci-fi fan. I got very very close to doing a Star Wars RPG podcast years and years ago. Uh close enough to where I bought the books and bought all the stuff and then everybody was like, "Eh, change your mind, we didn't want to do it." And uh so I I've always felt like that itch never got scratched, but just got saying Mass Effect, I'm like, "Oh, Mass Effect. Right? The only thing that's tough about Mass Effect is the story of those three games is so all-encompassing and big that it, it's hard to set a narrative during it, and it's hard to set, almost impossible to set anything after it. So I feel like you almost have to do it completely disconnected from that main narrative as just little stories within that world. But right. I would, I would be all for that too. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. I do kind of wish there was. Um, well, I guess there is. There's. Uh, What's the system? Oh, I can't think of it now. There's Pathfinder. Is it Starfinder? Anyway, I think there's a version of Pathfinder that's basically Starfinder, which is an entire rule set in the way that D&D 5 is and so on. Um, that's probably the most interesting to me because it means you can build your own shit. Like you you don't have to adhere to a particular fiction's uh, machinations. You can do your own thing. And create your own world and your own massive story. In a way, it's like it's more like D and D that way, um, where yeah, you can do modules and you can do all that, but you but you can also just kind of create yourself and go. 
And that's that's way more appealing to me. Um, for some reason, more so even in a sci-fi setting to, to kind of have a blank slate a little bit and build it. That would be really fun. If anyone listening knows a system that I could play, I really, really, really want to run a game of giant robots versus kaiju. Like, I've looked for systems that can run that. I would just, like, the whole idea of you guys being people and, you know, the, the, the base is infested with bugs and you got to get to your robot, but, you know, you're, you're people for this part and then you get to your robot. And now you're the giant robots fighting the monsters. Like, that would be so awesome. Got to be something, right? Got to be. I've I've tried to find. They're all, you know, they're all very small, or uh, you know, I, I can't find one that's kind of stuck with me. So if anyone knows, we should a design giant- it. Erase this bit. We're going to design it, and so, so we need it. I yeah, forget it. we said anything, chat room we, or uh, listeners. We have no idea what we just said. We're good. <laughs> but yeah, if somebody out there knows for real, like we we'd love some advice. I see that, that would in be a heartbeat. Cool. That sounds great. Right? You'd have yeah. mech building and ah. Oh, yeah. So like, cool. I'm going to trade out my now. arm. Yeah, I've got a plasma arm and I want to trade it out for a sword arm. The and like the whole mod. could combine. Yeah. That's really cool. That's an awesome idea. I would play the shit out of that. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near the lizard guys, though. I'd want to be all mechs all the time. But what weapon would you play as a flute to summon? <laughs> uh, a dragon? Sword? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it well, no, you, you know what? Dun, 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 dun. The way this Sorry, should I'm work is you, you, your monster manual is all of the kaiju, and everyone's just classes of, you know, classes of mecha. Like, you don't need to have players play kaiju, so. No, no, that goes down like that, like, Saturday morning cartoon, sort of like Godzilla road. We're like, we right. have a pet Godzilla, and she saves the day. Like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Heavy mech driver, light mech driver, guy in a tank, because there's always, like, the tank. That's just a tank class in those <laughs> games. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a, in some ways you're describing the, um, what's the, um, oh, what's it called? That's called the mech game uh, Battletech. You're basically describing Battletech, except Battletech is a tabletop like strategy game with a bunch of RPG elements, but it's mostly like, you know, it's Warhammer 40 K style. And what we're asking for is like, is there a, is there an RPG maybe even in the Battletech universe? Maybe this exists there um, where it's just, you know, more of an open, open uh, sandbox style approach to, to RPG and less about the turn-based stuff, which I know turn-based isn't all this stuff, but you know what I mean? Like we're not going to, we're not going to be painting a bunch of models and, building huge cities to fight in. Uh, it'll all be theater of the mind. So I don't know. Maybe that's one way to look. Cause those guys are awesome. Battletech is real cool. And then here's a question. You'd have to come up with how we link with our mechs, because that would be a very important. Oh, tone yeah. There are so many different ways. you can. Yeah. I love mechs. that. Those concepts are so cool. Like there's not, there's not enough stuff out there about that. I guess sort of Pacific uh, rim sort of did that with how you were tied near a mech or whatever, but I feel like there's probably better anime examples of this. Oh, there's so many, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get us I, I, started. Yeah. Those, those could be the classes. Like you have the, the VR guy who's not even in the robot. The you got the, yeah. Yeah, the guy who's actually like, you know, blood pumping or brain waves going in. You got the like half organic robot, half the other thing. Like there's so many options. Your and I've seen some soul. decent ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your mom's soul in there. Why not? Mom's no. soul. I love it. 
I'll play the shit out of that. Let us know if anyone knows of anything. That'd be that'd be cool. Um, oh, I think we're I think it's all the time we have. It is. Wow, that was so much fun. I lost track of time. Uh, but that's okay because we love talking to you guys and getting your questions. If uh, we have a few more, we'll hang on to those for next month and we need your new ones as well. So if you uh, get a minute, hop on over to the site. There will be dungeons.com and there's a little form there. You just hit it and send it. Super easy. If you'd rather do email, you have that option there as well. All of it's at there will be dungeons.com. And another massive thanks to all of you for being our supporters. If you're hearing this late, uh, then you'll know why. Because <laughs> you're not getting it early. <laughs> and if you're not getting it early, it means you're not a supporter. So check it out over there at uh, therewillbedungeons.com. I think that's it. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, that'll be it until next time. Have a great month. We'll see you then. Bye.